Welcome to the Las Doctoras podcast. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her. In this podcast, we make space for important conversations about the social issues that affect our lives and the lives of other marginalized people. We talk with thinkers, scholars, mothers, writers, and other visionaries invested in taking a hard look at the oppressive social dynamics of the world and doing the work of dismantling all structures of power. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom, academic research and lived experience while we sit together and share our insights, ponder ideas about how to heal from the generational trauma of white and male supremacy. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection of the multidimensional and complex experience of humanity, attempting to survive and thrive within the oppressive power systems we live in, all while we sit at our kitchen tables, sipping on some tequila, hoping to change the world. Bienvenidas! Hello, welcome to Las Doctoras podcast. This is episode 20. Glad to have you here. Um, Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you all know that we are now on Patreon. So Patreon is a website for content creators of all sorts um, where our listeners and our followers can go and make contributions. Um, So for as little as a dollar a month, you can support all the work we do. Um, All the proceeds go to maintaining um, all the different things that we we have um, in order to keep bringing you our podcasts. Um, we are now um, having we now have a book club. So there's just a lot of fees that go into um, maintaining all of this work. And so um, any contribution that you can make would be so welcome. So again, if you go to patreon.com slash las doctoras, um, you can make a contribution for as little as a dollar a month. And um, there's some exclusive things that we will offer people depending on how much you contribute a month. So um, again, it's at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N um, dot com slash Las Doctoras. Um, and um, again, or um, in addition, um, we do have a book club. Um, we just started a book club in the month of April. We're currently reading Women Who Glows in the Dark by Elena Avila. Um, we, I think as of the release of this episode, we have a couple more weeks that we are going to be reading that book. And there's a few spots left that you can join us in, um, in our Zoom discussions about the last few chapters of the book. In the month of May, we're going to be reading The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, um, and that's talking about body politics, and that's actually what our episode is about today. Um, We plan on having um, a series of episodes that cover this topic. Um, This episode is sort of our introductory episode to the series. This is just Christina and myself kind of talking about our journeys with our bodies, obviously, as always, in relation to what we understand about structural oppression, um, you know, white supremacy, patriarchy, all of that good stuff, and how, as adults, we we can have a, an understanding of um, why, you know, we have certain relationships to our bodies and, and why people in general have certain relationships to their bodies. Um, but just we want it wanting to highlight how important it is for us to look at um, 
the different things that are that impact our relationships with our bodies um, and the very negative messages that we get from the world around us about our bodies and how it can impact all sorts of things from physical health to mental health. Um, and again, um, we want this to be a series of episodes. So we already um, have another episode where we are going to be interviewing a nutritionist um, um, that is sort of coming from um, not your sort of traditional um, sort of approach to nutrition that um, that we argue oftentimes uh, perpetuates things like fat phobia and toxic diet culture. Um, so, and then, yeah, we hope to interview a couple more people. We recorded this episode prior to COVID-19, prior to quarantine. Um, so, you know, listening back, it kind of sounds funny, just, you know, things that we're talking about. Um, but being that we are in the middle of quarantine now, where we are trying to arrange some interviews with some other people to kind of have this series be, or, or have this topic be an ongoing conversation. So um, again, thank you for being here. Go to patreon.com slash las doctoras to, to support our work in any way you can. And, um, and keep listening um, and to hear more about this topic. Oh, and you can go to our website, lasdoctoras.net. Um, I think it's .net slash book club to learn about our book club and how to participate in that. Thanks for being here and enjoy the episode. Salud. Salud. Mm. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. We're gonna dive right into this topic <laughs> so um first we want to say that uh, i think this is going to be the first of a few episodes covering this topic uh-huh. and we're going to be talking about body politics mm-hmm. and i think it's been something that we've been wanting to discuss for um for some time but it's like you know, menstruation or debt. It's like this uh, thing that we're, we're, we've been told not, not to talk about, you know. And so, and I, and I, don't, I don't know. Is it even more taboo than menstruation and debt? Like, what is... Like, okay, that's a, that's a really good point. Like, it's... One, I think for us, it, it requires us to be very vulnerable. And even, I think, more, than, more so than menstruation. And I will say that in my experience... Um, that when I teach about body politics in my classes, I said this the other day, it's the most triggering class. It's the most triggering topic. Mm-hmm. I can talk about rape culture. We can talk about, um, mm-hmm. you know, history of slavery and genocide and, and you know, sexual <laughs> violence. But body politics, because we live in our bodies every single day and we and we are confronted with whatever shame you know is underlying every single day it's 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 i've had students crying i've had students walk out mm-hmm. um it, it's it's the most triggering and um and i think for me when i teach it i do teach it from a place of not vulnerability <laughs> i kind of teach it from this like academic uh-huh. yeah and i bring in guest speakers to do the, <laughs> the emotional stuff and it and it's hard because <laughs> i too you know it's triggering for me and um and i think both of us we know that this is a topic we have to talk about but it's kind of maybe i don't know maybe in me i just kind of been avoiding it and i feel like we're more and more being called to really really just dive into this and we have that one um people asked for it too recently yeah you know, we just so. we asked um 
put out to our followers to see what they were interested in us talking about. And this came up. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's very, um, relevant and, and we need to kind of talk about it. And so I want it to, I think, I don't know. It's like, where do we even start? <laughs> bodies, our bodies. I don't know. I want to start with it. These are cards. For some reason, I'm, do- I'm, I'm totally like dodging this for a second. <laughs> this is it. This is real. I, our I drew some cards this morning from um, the Jade Oracle deck. And one is about medicinal arts. And I'm going to... So let's say this... Medicinal arts. El arte medicinal. And then... Ooh, Wewetlatoli. Wewetlatoli. Wisdom of the Elders. Antigua. I, and I, th- I, I love these cards for us. And I, I guess I'm going to ground myself right now. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. You know, I could mm-hmm. got my ancestral altar right there. Um, see you. Thank you. What we're bringing in this conversation is something that's gifted to us, you know, and with the gift of our, the elders have given us, using those gifts sharing them you know and i think uh it's a it's a stretch to color podcast a medicinal art perhaps <laughs> but i'm gonna say that this is you know the art form that we've chosen to use in this moment too and it so i'm just i think i just needed to hear that like yeah no I, I think it's important and i think that you, <clears throat> i don't think it's too much of a stress stretch to call it medicinal arts i know that i've we've had people reach out to us um i've had People send me emails and DMs and people do reviews on our podcasts. And what I think I'm hearing is that people are really resonating with our conversations and that it's not just resonating like it sounds familiar to them, but that it's helping them through something Mm -hmm. or helping them maybe articulate something. And so I think in that way it can be medicinal. Um, I think it's okay for us to to sit in that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and this is an this is this is important medicine talk to talk about our bodies and for us and for us for us I mean <laughs> if no one else for us it's medicinal for us it's therapeutic mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, be able to mm-hmm. be in a in a place where we feel safe at least with each other mm-hmm. to be able to to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I in my um, body, sex, the gender, and politics class, I have my students write a letter to their body. You know, I've only taught it for a couple semesters and a coming of age story, but the letter to their body I start with, and I, I haven't written that. <laughs> I, I need to do it. You know, this is me doing this now. This is yeah. like, a, you know, the letter part. to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 so interesting. And, and for me, what comes up is so I had this moment mm-hmm. recently and I called, <laughs> I called Christina because I was like, oh. who do I call? Who's going to understand? Right in. I love it. Um, oh, God. So, so good. Well, let's you're my hero right now. <laughs> so let's just. Let's just say this, that, I mean, I'm 37, you're 40, 40. <laughs> I'm all, I can claim it, I'm 40, you're 40, I'm 37, and our, we've had two children, or I've had two children, you've had a child, mm-hmm. um, our bodies have been through a lot, you know, we've, we've just been, by mere being on this earth, and, and having mm-hmm. the experiences that we've had, and, and so often we don't give our bodies enough grace to just recognize that we've been here and we've been doing some shit and our we, bodies have been working and have been creating and so and we shared in previous episodes like how much i don't know energy we exerted and demanded of our bodies when, when we yeah. were in high school you know it was just like yeah 
Um, anyways, yeah. So, um, so there's just that caveat, right? And, um, and, and myself, my body's been through so much change just since I've had children. I went fluctuated in weight so much, Mm -hmm. like up really high, down really low, up again and down again. And, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to kind of ride those roller coasters, but I find myself where I'm at now mm-hmm. <laughs> in a not so great relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I had this moment that just really sent me into a fucking spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, so Thank I had you for sharing today <laughs> as you're sharing. So I was on campus and I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen. I'm trying to think. I hadn't seen them since. I hadn't seen them in maybe like two years. And the last time I saw them, I was finishing up my dissertation and I was probably the thinnest I had been in a long time, in a really, really long time. And um, and part of that was I was still breastfeeding. Breastfeeding was crazy. I, I would lose weight so quickly on breastfeeding. I didn't even change my life. Nothing. I just, my body just reacted a certain way to, to breastfeeding. And so anyway, so I hadn't seen her in, in a long time. And so she ran into me, or we ran into each other, and she's like, hey, you know. And I must have been wearing, I was wearing a dress that was kind of high-waisted, I guess. And she immediately thought I was pregnant. (laughs) And it was, and it it wasn't even like a, she didn't even, there was no like, are you pregnant? It was like, congratulations. And I went into this state of shock, and I was like, what like I I just I didn't even know what to say I didn't even know how to react I I literally did not correct her I was just like and I just kind of smiled and she's like oh congratulations how have you been I haven't seen you did you finish did you graduate and I'm like yeah I did and she's like oh that's so good and then we kind of did a little bit of small talk the whole time I'm small talking which I fucking hate small talk to begin with I'm thinking you're not there what what do I do? What do I say? Do I correct her? Mm. Like, I just, I just, and then she, and I thought, well, maybe by the tone of the conversation, she'll get it. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning I didn't say anything about it. I didn't acknowledge anything. I just kind of smiled. And so then at the end of our, of our little chat, she was like, well, congratulations on this whole thing. And she kind of like <laughs> waved her hand around my stomach. And I just, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on this whole thing. And I was like, thanks. And I just walked away and I thought, what the fuck just happened? Like, one, I am not pregnant. (laughs) I don't want to ever be pregnant again. I am happy with two children. And it just felt like it Mm -hmm. it just sent me into a spiral of so many things. And um, yeah, and and I called you. <laughs> and you did share you had a similar experience, which you don't have to say if you don't want to. But nonetheless, I mean, even even just the fact that you said you had a similar experience oh, yeah. made me feel like, okay, so then this is something that happens. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really good at forgetting things. And I think it's a coping skill. Mm-hmm. It's a coping way. Mm-hmm. And so do you remember what I said? Do you know the You experience? said that. Because what's coming in for me is I don't wear, I loved high-waisted dresses mm. for most of my life. I love them. I You just feel comfortable. But I do not wear them anymore oh. for this reason. And so I know I've experienced it. Yeah, you told, you told me that somebody said uh, uh, that you were pregnant and that you were like, no, 
no, I'm not. <laughs> and so you told me you corrected them, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't, e- I didn't even know what to say. I was in such. It was like somebody came up to me and slapped me in the face, and I, I just I stood like, no, there I'm and not. took it. This is my belly, <laughs> and I thought, wow. And so then, of course, I started to, which shocks me because I, I, I know you as such. I mean, it was so shocking to you. It was so shocking. It, it was, it was like being cold water. Like it was just. Yeah. The most Not shocking. Not even a question. Just like, and also um, in a celebratory way. I think yes, that's a shocking thing. <laughs> like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, I, I mean, it did feel, part of me immediately was like, well, how fucking rude. Like, who says that? Who goes up to somebody randomly and says, like, how do you even know? that I'm pregnant how do you know that I'm not going through a trauma about like how do you you wouldn't even ask you like I never do that to people even people who are clearly pregnant (laughs) I if they're not gonna say anything to me I'm not going to because I don't know maybe they have a tumor maybe or or they're going through maybe it's hot there's a lot lot of trauma my sister-in-law carried her baby to term knowing that her baby wasn't going to live oh. past birth. So imagine if I'd went up to her and she would have to be faced. Congratulations uh, about all that's happening here. Right? Yeah, what like I just, I, I just have had too many experiences in my life to know yeah. what a line is. And I think I told you this too. I'm like, I, I part of me feels like, I mean, she is white. And <laughs> sometimes uh, I think white people just. Has she ever had children? No. I think that's another thing too. They She's just, never had kids, and and I just, I sometimes I just feel like, why people just say whatever the fuck they want to say without, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's just my thing. But I, I just, I was just, I was just in shock, and talking to you really helped me to like, just feel a little bit more grounded. Like, okay, 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 <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. I can, you know. And I did go home and talk to Tommy about it, and and we ended up having a whole moment about it. Um, just because sometimes even that, like even being with him and um, like not being able to even talk about it with him, like that's sad, right? That I don't even want to talk about it yes. with him. Sometimes not even my own self. Like I don't want to say things to my own self, like what my relationship is with my body. And, you know, just two years ago, I was the thinnest I'd ever been. And I was like, oh, I look so good and I love it. And then I just started gaining weight. It's like as soon as I stopped breastfeeding, like... Uh. And, um, and then now I'm kind of the heaviest I've ever been. And so it's just an emotional roller coaster sometimes. And maybe that's also what's happening in those moments when, cause I've done the freeze thing in times in my life too, and not responded, just I've been like, this is going to go away, go away, <laughs> go away. Like basically like nice your way is, out of the situation. This is not happening. I'm pretending this is not happening mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, blah, 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 This is blah, a dream. Blah, blah. I'm in a, I'm in blah, a, blah, blah, blah. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to forget this happened. And that, I mean, I think that's the way I've handled it growing up, believing that I would forget for some reason. And maybe I have forgotten in some ways, but the body keeps score. We remember these things. That's a lie. <sighs> that somehow the traumatic things like because that was a trauma microaggression or macro i mean that was big you know yeah that's something that you remember you know but in the moment when i'm freezing or flying i'm just like f this i'm gonna totally forget this (laughs) (laughs) you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna uh shred this memory eternal sunshine and spotless mind delete 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 you know or something um and i think it's anyway so of course that's Mm -hmm. such a visceral moment and then it has us you know 
so there's there's that right there's the real life experience of that and then on the other hand there's our our political selves who know where all this stuff comes from and looking at how white supremacy and patriarchy and heteronormativity play into not just and this is what i tell my students the most insidious thing about these structures of oppression is obviously the way that you see and treat other people but for people of color and for women of color and for marginalized people it's the way you see and treat yourself yeah that's the most insidious part of this right because you can judge other women maybe but if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're judging yourself yeah that's the worst that is the worst um manifestation of of oppression is when we 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 are you know internalizing it so that we see ourselves through that lens have you i mean there's studies about this with like the auto autoimmune issues like the body attacking itself yeah I, that comes up for, for me in this moment with stress, how much that actually yeah. really is hurting us. I think the other thing that comes up is growing up, I had always heard, love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, what? <laughs> I think for, for, for us, what I'm res- resonating here is it's love yourself like the love you give to other people. Because like, we give so, we're like, we are, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I have, that's in my panic states. It's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm really judging myself right now. What if, imagine I am turning this gaze to another friend and this is their experience. Yeah. What would I say to them? Oh, I wouldn't, I would be like, I hear you. I love you. I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. Like I would, I would just be so much more loving and affirming. Yeah. I, 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 that's huge. I, I, I don't even know if I can do that. Like in that moment, I just, it's so hard to, to separate it in that way, you know? I know. Um, but I, I'm glad that you um, you brought up the like autoimmune stuff, and you know, I think sometimes throughout a lot of our episodes, and for me personally, a, a theme, a constant theme is shame, and mm-hmm. I think that for me, even talking about my body issues, it, it makes me feel shame, and and I can get into a lot of it, but I think even talking about my health issues, there's so much shame in that, like. I don't even tell people like a lot of my health issues. So mm. I have PCOS and then I have mm. Hashimoto's, which is also like a thyroid disorder mm-hmm. um, that's on the like autoimmune mm-hmm. spectrum. Um, and because they're not visible things, mm-hmm. right? It's not mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, I'm like you can't see it. It's these like chronic um hidden invisible invisible whatever Mm -hmm. diseases that you don't see but that i do struggle with and 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 even then my symptoms of these things are not as um heightened as other people so Mm, you downplay it even more so i downplay it even more so like pcos other than like my really really long cycles and heavy period right like i'm a lot of people experience complete infertility with PCOS. You know, I was able to have two babies. Mm-hmm. Um, Hashimoto's, really my worst probably symptom of that is, aside from weight gain, and, you know, even that can be complex, but um, is fatigue. And mm-hmm. sometimes, and then that took me a long time to even make that association. Like, I don't know. I Like, even now, I'll get really tired, and, and I'll tell Tommy, like, you need to come home. And he'll be like, well... You know, when I'm home by myself, you know, and and oh, I and so you I have finally to remind him. I told him you're and you're reminding yourself. I'm too. reminding myself. 
because it's made invisible in part because our culture says you can't this is the things you can't make visible so you we've told ourselves to okay it people can't know this and yeah. this is not something in my, in my easy frame of reference it's something i've actually silenced yeah so i had to tell him our thresholds of energy are different mm-hmm. you're you're mm-hmm. you're i i mean because everybody experiences some sort of fatigue right you get tired at the end of the day um, I said, but your your threshold is different than mine. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can sustain energy for a little longer. Like mm-hmm. once I reach, if I'm calling you, that means not only am I reached it, I've probably gone too much past it. Right. And because that <laughs> vulnerability, it's so much vulnerability in that yeah. moment. And it's, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's fatigue, not just exhaustion, but you feel like you can't, mm. um, like sometimes the even how I go through my day, I know that it's coming. Like I know the fatigue is coming, so I try to like get everything as much as stuff as I can done because mm. I know that once it hits, I'm done. Mm. Like <laughs> you know, I can't, it's gotten a lot better. I would say maybe in the last six months, but mm-hmm. and, and because I've been trying to do some things, but um, there was a I mean, and I have a long commute, so like falling asleep on the way home and. You know, and then it's just, I've had to create a lot of structure in my life around it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But anyway, like even talking about that is just, it's a lot. Like I don't talk about that publicly. I don't, I don't even know if my mom knows. Whoa. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think I've mentioned it, but I, again, downplay it a lot. And because she, here's the thing. She was recently, she was diagnosed with lupus. mm, Hmm right before my dad died so maybe six mm. years ago and mm. she was in excruciating pain mm. for months and did not tell us mm. you could tell mm. and i could see something in her but she did she wasn't doing anything about it either she she wasn't she was kind of but she would just say oh you know she would come up with excuses and all kinds of stuff. And so finally, I mean, she got to the point where she was mm. just, it was so bad. I mean, for her to have to go to the doctor meant that it was really bad. So when she finally went. For her to come out, it had to be way It over. had to be, yeah. And so when she told me, I remember, I probably didn't have the best reaction when she said, oh, they said I have like a mild case of lupus. That's what she said. And I was like, mom, lupus is like a serious thing. And she's like, I know, but they said it was like mild. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. And and, and then she I, she finally said how much pain she was in. And I said, mom, why? Did you say mild? I'm a, I actually imagine her creating that word. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and I said, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you tell us? And she's like, and then she gets upset. You know, like, uh, why? You know, it's because, you know, like, like she didn't she making it ask no it was more like i didn't owe you an explanation Mm. and i said but we could have helped you or we could have been there for you or we could have you know i could have done something or whatever and um but and so of course that's the internalized lesson that i've known my whole life that if you're in pain you suck it up until it gets so bad and you definitely don't tell anybody and you definitely don't ask for help and you know, and then then the other thing is that she, oh God, I mean, for her too, things come down to food and sort of saying that maybe it's because 
she wasn't eating right. Right? Does that make sense? Like, mm, so health down to her relationship with food. Like, it, it's almost like if you're she having health issues, it means it's your fault. Oh, you're not making right health choices. So for her to say that she's in pain would make her feel like she's doing something wrong. Ah, that standard is so intense. Just thinking about that for for you, you know, like that. Yeah projection on because she would she if for her to admit that she had pain would in her mind mean to admit that she wasn't in a healthy place and if you're not Mm -hmm. healthy it's it's your fault i think that's a real that's a real narrative it's a real story i love my mom i promise well (laughs) we've come a long way you've shared a lot I, i feel like i should share a little bit so i think you know my my mother in particular um has always had some kind of a sickness. Like I, I mm. had um, an illness, and for a long time, the doctors um, it was it was kind of um, silenced. Like everyone's like, it's just in your head, you know. Mm. That's why that psychosomatic stuff is so important to me. It's mm-hmm. really thinking about that connection. But mm-hmm. um, so, as opposed to like having a mom who didn't say anything and um, grieved in silence, I feel like my mom's pain and about so intimately connected to her body was mm. everything mm. and so um i think the ways in which i dealt with things growing up was to that there was no space mm. for my pain or the ways that things are the, i like i that's why maybe i don't know my first period or i don't have a memory about it and mm. i don't it's like cause i i just I, I like kind of silenced it you know um like when i think about my health issues um, I was a a beautiful chubby brown kid <laughs> girl, oh. and you know, in, in East Whittier, <laughs> near the mansions, you know, in my school district, and and um, I felt I like ugly Betty or something like that, you know, like but even wow. before, like I just thought I um, oh, and I and I and I pretty much focused everything on the issue is not that. I'm brown, and a lot of these kids aren't, or mm, that mm-hmm. my family is, you know, in a socioeconomic level, that whatever, you know, like, it's because I'm fat, you know? <sighs> and I literally would, um, like, this is like, I'm trying to think, like, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, like, um, such important years in establishing self-esteem and self understanding mm-hmm. and I know my my growing up in my parents home such a diet culture and mm. um but um and also so much tenseness around money it was really just a lot and um my way of dealing with it all and I can see this now especially in response to my mother which I kind of love that you do this mother-daughter thing because I think it's real it's real <laughs> it's real um was to stop eating, like to be anorexic, you know, and to um, kind of control my body. And really, it was a stress space too. And I know anorexia can be like a way to kind of just have a sense of stability and know things. Also to not need anything, you know. Mm. Um, And um, that came through like, um, I don't know, like when I was like 13. It also came at a time in my life, like I guess, yeah, you know, post-menstruation like I but I, my parents started c- coming less and less because I wasn't eating very wow. much right um 
but I had like a super amount of energy and like I really I also kind of brought in like religious method like uh, like conversations about it like around fasting it was I was really were kind you of rationalizing all, maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally or and I also thought it was like a spiritual discipline in, in the world that I grew up in it is but it doesn't take into account like sexism and social social uh, social <laughs> dynamics yeah for yeah, sure yeah totally um um yeah that brings up an interesting conversation i was having someone about you know the more you know the less you know you, you know that you know less and i was thinking that's such an interesting method uh, message to hear but imagine hearing that not just as a, a man of white privilege which is how that's said you know mm-hmm. but as a person of you know who's you know intersectionally oppressed like that's a totally different meaning, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Playing to imposter syndrome and things like that. I think. Yeah. Anyways, that's a side note, too. Um, I also, again, from from that age, a little later on, I can't remember when I started, but um, this is another, I guess, my health issue, but it's, again, connected to my mental health. I started pulling out my hair. Mm-hmm. And that's called, I don't even know how to say it, trichotillomania. You know how to spell it, though. I Googled it. Oh. <laughs> I knew it's kind of cool. I was like, dang. <laughs> um, wow. all, but all of these things, and the, the type of hair that I pull out is, like, my kinky hair. You so know? is it is it a on the spectrum of, like, a, a OCD, like, obsessive, uh-huh. compulsive? Mm-hmm. And I think that is, I think, Virgo tendencies, <laughs> but also... Um, in response to stress, right? Mm-hmm. That those are things that... Um, that I did in high school, um, in particular, into college a little bit. Flash, you know, fast forward to um, pregnancy and mm. having a child. You know, um, those control methods I had, um, which are really self harming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't they just don't work? It's like I actually can't stop <laughs> eating. Like there's like something right. about it. Like I can't and. Um, and I know now that that self-judgment, self-critique and control never really helped me in the first place. It helped me actually, it helped me survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, in high school, I feel like I was golden for some reason. You know, it because I was thin, because, you know, I was controlled, because I did well in school and I, I was like this... Att- att- attempting to be and somehow passing as this like really perfect person it seemed like you oh, know gosh yeah um and people loved it you know there was like, a lot of validation i mean i got validation from everything in my life and i also got really angry we've talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit right i just was like yeah you effing like me now because i'm thin but did you like me before you know the two boys who noticed me talking about that but also not and we can come back to the boy we can come back to like the you know the the, the yeah. attraction but that i also got that message from my church leaders from my teachers you know like I, you i was supposed to do those things almost like you know that's what made me like a, a great student a great woman a great girl you know like this is those things it's it's so much because People want to talk about, oh, we can't teach our kids things at a young age because they're not ready for it. But they are learning it mm-hmm. by osmosis, right? Like, I try to think of how young was I that I learned my body was not right. Ugh. You know? Um, and I was actually, 
I was a thin child. I was always thin. And especially because I had family members who were kind of the opposite. And so I would see sort of the way they would get treated. And I was like, oh, well, that's not me. <laughs> right. And um, and I had a point, you know, in my relationship with my body and, and thinking about where did I get validation from? I, I remember being 12, 11, 12 as well. And I was invisible at school. I, you know, I was kind of just, I was really quiet, believe it or not. <laughs> I was really quiet and I nobody really talked to me. I had like one friend and I was kind of like a nerd. I was just an outcast for a lot of different reasons. And then eighth grade year, this is a lot, but eighth grade year, these are one of those things we really connect on. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Seventh, eighth grade. Like, literally. Eighth grade, I we did a talent show for my class, and we were doing the movie Grease. And since I was the only white-looking girl, I went I went to school in Pico Rivera. It's like 90-something percent Latinx. And so I was the only, like, girl that looked like Sandy. And so... <laughs> And we we're doing the the song from the last one of the last you're songs. The one that I want. Yes, I want. you're the one I want. And I was wearing this like black tight. Of course you were. Outfit and all of a sudden I went from invisible to hyper visible. Oh, sexual visible. And I was curvy, very curvy, big butt, hips, small waist, no boobs, but <laughs> just and all of a sudden I had tons of attention from boys and and now looking back it was inappropriate attention it would i mean getting sexually harassed i mean and it's hard for me to even say those words out loud but mm-hmm. pe- 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 boys making comments about uh-huh. my butt like straight up to my face and there was even one boy who would kind of touch and do things um he ended up getting in trouble and it was it was weird it was like he got in trouble but not really and then um Mm. and it was such a normalized thing on one hand right it was a normalized thing for boys to be saying these comments and on the other hand because i went from invisible to visible i was like well at least they see me now and so i learned that my body was the way to be visible to boys was the way to get attention. The attention I want, I loved. I was boy crazy, right? Like, I wanted boys to like me, and they didn't even know I existed. And now, not only did I exist, but I was number one in their eyes, and it made me feel so much power and validation. <laughs> I feel that power. I totally feel that power. And I, I was like, yes. I just felt like I loved it, but this inner part of me was just raging. That like. See, I felt shame because even as much as I loved it in Catholic, like in in the Catholic Church, you're not supposed to be sexual, and so it was like I felt guilt and shame for feeling so validated through this sexual attention. Well, and that's another. That's a, <laughs> that is a fucked up. Like that is totally it's totally like, messed up. It's like you're yes. you're not you're like oh my god, I really love this, but I'm not supposed to like this, and I like. Like, my body is for them, not for me. Like, oh my God, it's, it's, you're, it's confusing. It was a hella confusing time. <laughs> I mean, this is interesting because we're talking, we grew up on Pico Whittier, but I mean, I grew up in a really white world. Mm-hmm. So I got noticed for being like, 
like exotic not having not ha- being thin you know not having curves you know this is interesting mm. or at least that's not that story i'm like was i didn't i i mean i'm sure right 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 but like it was i wasn't sexualized i was mm. objectified i feel like there were all, all this like crushy attention but i don't know it's so interesting how I was so asexual then, or I was, I was so out of touch with that. It was not about, and we weren't allowed to like dance at my school, right? Like we weren't allowed. Like there was so there was yeah, no yeah, kissing yeah. going on. I didn't kiss someone, you know. I, I mean, I think you all know this. I didn't tell. I was like twenty one or something like that, right? Like um, <laughs> something wild, you know. Oh but gosh. it was just it was a different kind of attention. I feel, and I even started wearing like trousers all the time, and I had really long hair, but I. I, I had this, like, androgynous persona. This mm. interesting... And I think it was not just a persona. I think it... Like, if I had they, them as a... Back then, I probably would have yeah, been, like... I agree. I'm effing they, them. You know, please I agree. stop. You know, I don't agree. leave me. I agree. Um, no, I was, you know. Yeah, I was... I was I mean, I was called a tomboy up to that point. Yes. Because uh, I was... I was it, This was in the 90s when when grunge was grunge like it's not retro now it's like retro right but like so i was with the doc martens and the flannels and the thermals and the like that was my aesthetic and so i think part of turtlenecks i wore turtlenecks (laughs) part of it was like i think people just saw me as this like oh that's just that's renee she's she's tomboy she's like alternative Alanis morissette type thing and then all of a sudden i became you know know. j-lo i don't know (laughs) like well, that's what came up. J-Lo came up in my mind right now, yeah, thinking like, about how much I went your body, from, yeah. just your body itself, was inappropriate, you know, basically yeah. in the world. Or was, or was in. In, the, in the eyes of toxic masculinity, was enticing. Yes. yes. My body became enticing or became valuable yes. in a misogynistic world. And, and I, and I, because you're, because you're taught so young that, that your value is measured by attraction from boys I thought well this is this is what it is then this is what this is my value this is what I'm worth and and that lasted for a, oh god it lasted for a long time because even into I mean there's some stories that I, I I have a really hard time saying out loud um just because I don't know why but it lasted for a long time where to the point where we can come back to those yeah. stories later <laughs> i'm like to the point where when i maybe in college maybe mm, are they like rape culture stories like can we save those that's an episode I'm in like, the future for I sure don't, okay i'll just say this you don't have to you don't have to no i think it's important my first kiss was 14 mm-hmm. and it was at my birthday party and um you know everybody from my third class was there and this boy was interested in kissing me i said okay mm-hmm. and it was it was like your first kiss it was great it was like you know mm-hmm. so i thought come to find out um through other people that apparently there was this conversation amongst the boys where they had a bet uh, to see who would be the first to kiss me and they literally like i don't know what they were betting but there was this like that sounds, competition that sounds like a soap opera and my heart is like just i've never even said that out loud but mm. like so when i was told that it, it made me feel like then i wasn't actually a person it made me feel mm. like i was just the means by which they were and now i have the language to say i was just the means by which they were performing their toxic masculinity yeah. 
right? The means by which they were like, were able to objectify, you know. So, but in but in the moment, I was like, oh, so he didn't really like me then. He just used me, right? Like that's what it felt like, and um, and it was hard because you learn you. I quickly learned I mean, that's that like a brokenheartedness <laughs> at fourteen. That's a real like. I was like, real. oh, he didn't really. He doesn't really like me. He doesn't care about me. And yeah, for your first kiss, you want him to at least like you a little bit. <laughs> Not that I thought I was gonna marry him, but like, you know. Yeah. And um, I just, I just was like, oh, I guess that's what that is. That's what boys do. They just kiss and they don't care. <laughs> What's coming up? And then me? I went on and, and did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. then I just went and like kissed a bunch of boys. I could do that too in high school and yeah. didn't care. And um, but 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 also I, I because I remained thin, there was some power there, mm-hmm. and I used it a hundred percent. And so then maybe around early twenties when I started to gain weight, mm-hmm. I started to feel like I was losing my power. I feel it. I feel it immensely. I feel like that gaze, that male gaze, that felt so empowering, is is not here. It's not with me any longer. Yes. And Ugh. I um, and then part of me, you know, and coming into a more of a queer identity too. Honestly, I feel like it is my my body is more visible to queer community, which is interesting, or to women basically. Mm. And I and I do love that. But when we're talking, to, and at the same time, when we're talking about 12, 13, 14, 15, or, you know, just our whole childhood, basically, mm-hmm. what's coming up for me and what, and what you're saying is, and what I'm saying is just deep sadness, mm-hmm. like thinking of what are, the, you know, what are the, what's, what is the big messages we're receiving then, you know, coming into our body during this time in high school. Anyways, that's what's coming up for me. Yeah. It's just like this profound new level of sadness. Yeah. Um, no wonder. I guess we, we haven't been talking about high school when we talk about body politics. We've been talking about now and post-pregnancy bodies. Or, I, I hate that term actually. What do I want to call it? Like, mothered birth <laughs> bodies. Glorious. Bodies that have birth. Glorious, you know, bodies that have birth. Um we haven't gone back i think and going back now just it's just like it's rough it's i mean it's rough because part of me has so much resentment for the fact that i still that 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 i even remember that and that i even think about it and Mm -hmm. that i still have resentment for those boys like Mm. i really do like i really have this and I don't want to because I also think that they were just products of of what it was, right? Like, that's all that they knew as boys was to do this, was to treat girls like this and to, like, that was their performance of masculinity. So there's a part of me that doesn't blame them because they're, they're products of their environment. But the the little girl in me wants mm-hmm. some something has to break some plates <laughs> once once a little bit of an apology maybe yeah um but but i but i also am like i and i have actually been working in therapy with that like how do i let go of of the need for that right because I, i'm not ever gonna get it and so that sounds like a good poem <laughs> you know so it's kind of boys who are never going to apologize you oh know or something God. like that yeah and so anyway but <sighs> i think it's I do reflect on a lot how that has impacted 
like what is it what is it about my body now that I have I'm in such this problematic relationship with it it's because I feel like Mm. I'm not as valuable as I was when I was thinner because when I was thinner I got more of that male gaze right and and that's the ingrained internalized misogyny that we mm-hmm. learn that the male gaze is what validates us as mm-hmm, women. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. of course, we know better, but it doesn't mean that we can do better. Or we can integrate those ideas fully, right? Like we know that that's what's going on and we know that it's fucked up, but it doesn't mean that that can undo the whole lifetime of that message that we received. We were children. We were children. You know, um... I'm really thinking like all the strategies I used in high school to cope. I can't even remember if I looked at my body. Like I was mm. in like, like I don't, my, and this is a very, you know, old white Christian way of thinking. The body doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only your, you know, the spirit, you know, like, and I was really tuning into that. And um, I still <laughs> love the attention it brought me. So interesting, you know, but it was power, you know, it was like, anyways, but But I think what you're, what I hear you saying is on one hand, we're told to disconnect from our body, right? That uh power lies in the mind, right? And that that's what makes us better than other people, right? Whiteness, white supremacy is all about the, right? I think the mind is is Mm -hmm. is better. Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, there's this deep disconnection to our body, while at the same time, because we're living in our body and we're experiencing the experiences mm-hmm. we're having in mm-hmm. our body, mm-hmm. it becomes this very like uh, confusing because we're in our bodies but told not to be in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we're feeling things even though we're told not to feel those things. Mm-hmm. And told that if you feel those things are in your body, then that's shameful and you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, not to mention like when I first masturbated oh, oh girl we can't even, we'll talk about it <laughs> but that also happened in high school uh-huh. and that was a, also like a very body thing I was, you in, know? I was in grammar school I've always been You've a been, very sexual oh I love person. it I was like how I, I was in high school for, for as much as, as I went to Catholic school and lived with tons of Catholic guilt I mean I, I don't think that's early actually you know I, think I don't think I so really, either but mm. I think it's a testament to how to my sexual desire, how powerful that it, it is because mm-hmm. in the face of so much Catholic guilt and shame, mm-hmm. it still has been able to emerge and, mm-hmm. and, and allow me to, to live in my full humanity in that way because yeah. I've always been a sexual person. I think I was like 10 or 11 when I started masturbating. <laughs> and there was a whole shame tied to that for so long. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, um, but, but I think it's that, like, we're told to sort of disconnect from our bodies. And so and so then I think, like, okay, so for me what comes up now, like, coming back is... Yeah. Um, so I have this 10-year reunion coming up. 10-year, 20-year. 20, 20, 20. 20. I graduated in 2000. Mm-hmm. So I have this 20-year reunion come up, and I'm thinking, like, fuck, I'm going to go back, mm-hmm. and I'm going to look so starkly different than... Because even for my 10-year reunion, I was I was a little heavy, but I, I had pre-baby boobs. <laughs> so my boobs were just these gorgeous... You know, when I gained weight, I gained boobs. You were pregnant? I wasn't pregnant, but I just... I Even before babies, like, when I gained weight, I gained these beautiful... Mm-hmm. 
boobs that people thought I had fake ones. Like that's how gorgeous they were. <laughs> and um, and no so, wonder you don't like bras. Like, like I don't need that. I used to not have to wear a bra, but anyway. So at least I had that back then, right? I could distract. <laughs> and so now I'm like, oh, my boobs are have been so. You know, sucked the life out of litter. You know, breast. they have nursed. So I'm like breastfed for two children, four and a half years total, and yeah. pulled and prodded and mm-hmm. you know all of that. And, I know and gone up all the way up and now all the way down. And so there's just so much. And so and, <laughs> and so I'm thinking like, man, I'm going to this 20 year reunion, and you are going. Well, I'm planning on it. When is it? I don't know. Probably usually it's like in the fall time. Okay. So I'm thinking like. It, like somehow I'm like oh it's that's it's still that little girl in me that's finding her value in her body and not in my accomplishments I'm like fuck I can walk into this reunion with a PhD with mm-hmm. two kids mm-hmm. with a husband mm-hmm. you know that's pretty damn hot like <laughs> if anything I have a hot husband right like mm-hmm. and um and an amazing podcast that was mentioned on like there's a lot of accomplishments that I have and somehow there's this inner voice in me that's like that's not gonna mean anything if you don't look a certain way right like I am devaluing this. I so like- many other things about me deducing them all to what I look like it's like I really resonate now I guess you know there's this uh, you know, stereotype of a character who like you you see them, you haven't seen them in a long time or something like that, and they're handing out their business card. It's like, I want to be like, I want to have like something pasted <laughs> on my head that says, I'm really accomplished, you know, here's all the things I've here's done my in resume. my life. Here's, here's my CV. Here's what I've done, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, somehow, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about it, being back in Whittier, you know, um, seeing people maybe I went to high school with, I, I, I don't actually see them that often. They're all in East Whittier probably, but um, <laughs> I... Um, I don't, I feel more self-conscious than going to the market in Long Beach. You know, it's so interesting. Mm. It's like, um, I'm like, um, I even think maybe this will motivate me to like, you know, go eat better or not eat or I, I, it's so interesting. Like, yeah. you know what I, yeah. like I, I think, oh, if I had my 20 year reunion, I was going to go, I'd be like, okay, what's my plan to lose 10 pounds? Like, that's awful you that's, know it's that's, awful that's that, but and you know remember that alanis morissette song did you listen i mean you listen to alanis morissette right hello i was alanis morissette <laughs> i know people thought i was with long hair <laughs> you know um that song about would i be good if i um she, i would be good if i lost or gained or lost 10 pounds mm. so i gained 10 pounds that was a profound statement to like me mm. as a high school student i was like the answer is no, no, no one would think that's a good thing in the world I'm in. Yeah. Everyone would judge that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. That you're, when we go to this space, it's not just that we, we have our own internal stuff to work through, but it is an unsafe space. Yeah. The expectation is you gaining the weight that we have is not okay. Or that there is something must have gone wrong in your life if you've gained this much weight. Totally. Or Or you don't have enough money to get some surgery. Or you're not not taking care of yourself enough. You should go on one of those cruises and get a cosmetic, you know, (laughs) surgery in Dubai. That's what what I think is people would think, 
Mm. Oh, you don't have time to work out. Oh, you've you've <sighs> you've given in to your mom, your frumpy mom. Even though, even your though your mom is so not frumpy. No, my mom. Not no, my mom is not. But I and I'm not like your frumpy I'm, mom self. I'm not. I'm my no, frumpy mom self not. is is still pretty good but no, and that's my, and that's my frumpy mom you can tell no me. no <laughs> i don't see us as like in our what other people might perceive us from i actually think that's just us being um i call it more of like a hippie aesthetic oh i was like gonna say like we're like resistant no we're hippie yeah like i just i don't know no, yeah it's it's whatever but um i mean but we're by ourselves it's but even to say i'm gonna choose comfort yeah i'm I'm, a, I'm working on things but the messages at night, the messages, you know, in preparing for like a 20 year reunion are um, judgy. Yes. And, and, and the thing is, we're trying to judge ourselves and criticize before we're so, judged there. You know, so it's like it's it's a protective measure, you know. Yeah. And because that I mean, maybe they won't like maybe they won't. And and it's interesting, too, because now with social media, you do get to see people more than every 10 years right like so i'm friends with uh, not friends but like on facebook friends right with people that i've gone to high school with so they know what i'm doing and they know what my accomplishments are so i imagine you know that'll be there will be some sort of basis for that but um but there's still this sort of sense of like sense of shame like oh what you know what are they going to perceive of me based on what i look like um and my actually this other internal response is yeah, it is hella stressful. The world that we live in doesn't create space for me to have a spa day, you know, or yeah. to go on my daily dance class. I was going to date my daily rent, but I don't do a daily rent. I hate rent. So but I don't, to go to my dance class, like I don't have the time to do these things yeah. and there's not support. And it makes me want to get on that pedestal, you know, and basically just say like, or that platform and just say like, you know, I'll, yeah, I'm not J Lo, and I'm not Shakira. I don't and, have someone, and and you know, we just, I do drink. <laughs> yes, I do drink. I'm not. I'm and and for me, even like so, a lot of like the the like the PCOS and the Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. a symptom of that is weight gain. So, but it's not like I can walk around and tell people like, oh, I've gained weight just because I have these these things going on, right? Like, so does that make sense? So there, and even like. um there is this perception of weight gain is is a moral issue. Yeah. Not right. Like if you weight gain and you if you gain weight, it's a moral issue. And if you have health consequences, it's because of your morale of you, right? Not being able to make the right decisions, not environmental or social, right? Like there's no excuse for gaining weight in our culture. Right. And it could be like... And it's always your fault. And there's that's not, that's not even just gaining weight. There's no excuse for not having a body like the models that we ha- see. Mm-hmm. Like, if even if, like, you're not... If you're, you're you know, you're, you know, you don't even... You're, like, I think my Lola, like, she wasn't even five foot tall. And she was just round. And just the way that she was. There's no excuse for her being that way. Mm-hmm. Like... The problem isn't the message. The problem is like that she exists, and, you know. Right, and I think, you know, so as we kind of go through, I think, um, or as we kind of continue to approach this in the next couple episodes, hmm. the thing, you know, coming back to health. So on one hand, it's to say that these underlying health issues causing the weight gain, but mm-hmm. also that there's this perception of 
fat bodies as just innately unhealthy even if so there could be people out there that are heavy that have no underlying health issues Mm -hmm. that are completely healthy but the perception is always that um that you are choosing to be unhealthy right yeah and that gets perpetuated in things like diet industry diet culture medical industry sport culture right like the whole so and like that you know yeah yeah like the whole BMI Fat thing, like oh, the BMI. I was I came across something and talking about how like the racist history what of is the that BMI body mass index. It's like, <sighs> and it's based on on I assume some sort of study where they looked at different bodies, but I imagine they were probably white bodies and they were probably not disabled, bodies. But, right? They were probably not. You know, there was I'm sure there was some sort of scale or standard that they were that they were looking at and then somehow that became the measurement by which everyone regardless of any other situation is measured against right like i love naming that i think that's important yeah i, I mean it, i take it for granted sometimes so for simple things like that you know or it's like but if you go to like a doctor's visit it prints out like here's how much you weigh i, I don't want to know right now <laughs> i actually don't think that's healthy for me and your bmi but yeah it's like you're listing we live in a fat phobic culture. Fat phobia. And let's actually, say I think it. the phobia word is really strong there. I mm-hmm. mean, we want to say that people are afraid. There is a fear. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's other ways that people are afraid of. You know, like words like yellow fever. Like there is like mm-hmm. this like phobia they have of darkness, of fatness, of of things that have. Um, just have well, because they demonized, marginalized, you know, because they, they know. I mean, I think that we live in a fat, fat phobia is normalized. And part of that comes from we know what it's like to where we we can perceive we know how we treat fat people. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be one of those people that gets treated mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, the fat phobia towards other people is to say, you're fat, this this is your fault, blah, 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 blah. These are all these judgments. And part of that comes from this idea of like, well, I don't I don't want to get treated like that. So mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I keep myself. I mean, my family, the fat phobia runs so deep. And I mean, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, these messages, I remember, and this is a hard one too. It was so for I w- it was senior year and I wanted to wear my mom's prom dress. So my mom went to prom in like 1972 or 73 mm-hmm. and she had the really pretty dress that she designed herself. Right. Wow. She was really into that. And so I was like, I want to wear your prom dress. And we just had very different body types. I was a lot more curvy than than she was at that mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Um, and mind you, in I was 17. I probably weighed like a buck 15. Like <laughs> I mean, and and I was um, I was an athlete. She was never really like an athlete mm-hmm, to the extent mm-hmm, that I was. So mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. had a different body type. So I put the dress on, and it fit. It just fit me very different than the way that it fit her. Yeah. And so there I was standing in the mirror, like, oh, uh, uh, and she said, "Well, I think maybe if you lose like five pounds, it can look a little better." And it, oh, I mean. Are- these are like and oh, now I'm disaster like disaster moments, like just disaster like, moments, just right? Like I mean, that was 20 years ago, and it still sits so deep in my head that I think, wow, this little 17 year old girl who who just a dream was moment, literally right? putting on your mom's dress. Yes, and I was literally like, how much more could I have done? I was an athlete, so I was working out six days a week. I was eating only the food that she gave me. 
what more could I have done to lose these supposed five pounds? And it, I mean, now I can recognize that I felt like I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough to wear her dress. Like, of course that's going to sit deep into me. Of course that's going to cut, you know, deep and and Mm -hmm. have... And so now, I mean, it's been a long thing with my mom, even when right before I was going to get pregnant. Well, okay, so for a long time, my mom would, when I started to gain weight, she would make comments and kind of like touch my stomach and tell me to suck it in. She would say it in Spanish, but she would say like... Metate yeah. La, la, yeah. la panza or whatever. I, I have a visceral memory of having people, my mom and my grandmother, correct my posture. You know, ch- right. chest up, basically. You know, yeah. like. And so she would just, I mean, touch it. Like she would, like, you know. Uh-huh. And so I, I right before I was going to get pregnant, I had to have this deep conversation with her. I said, Mom, look, I'm trying to get healthy to be able to get pregnant. And part of that is I need you to not make comments about my body anymore. Oh, my God. It was a whole thing. She was like, what are you talking about? I don't ever do that. Mm. I, you're exaggerating. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> Ex- uh, that's a strong word. It's, she like, was it's like, another theme. And, and then she kind of admitted, she's like, but I don't do it that often. And, and then, I mean, it was a point where we were both like crying on the phone because she was just being so defensive about it instead of just saying... Okay, I hear you, right? And um, mm-hmm. and it and it changed it. So she stopped doing it. I remember one time I caught her like almost, and she caught herself. <laughs> um, or she would just obviously monitor things that I ate, and it's it's a mess. It's a mess. It's so much having to do too with like somehow our bodies were their bodies, mm. and then they weren't. There was mm. something like that that happened. You know, there was there was definitely the the we are a reflection of them, so that if yeah. If I looked a certain way, then they would they would say, "Oh, you're being a bad mom because you have a fat daughter." Yeah, totally. That that's a I think that's a big thing. This um, it still comes up quite a lot. Like every anytime I bring up anything, but you know, it's like I was a bad. I'm not, I'm not a bad mother. You know, it's so interesting. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about in part, but I know we're kind of coming. We need to come to a close. Yeah. I, I, I do want to talk about maybe masturbation in the future or self-pleasure. I think we'll have to have some episodes on that. But I also do, one that. of our, you know, our notes on talking about this is about um, pleasure and whose pleasure, mm. you know, and I, maybe we've talked a little bit about this, but I, I want to, in, in the context of like this body politics, I think that's a good conversation too. Yeah. Like pleasure, like in sex, right? Like yeah. That, and, and self-pleasure is a part of that. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's an important conversation. Yeah, I think we'll have to dedicate some episodes. But also, to... can we not love our bodies? You know? Yes. Can we just say, you know, I love I love this part. You know, that's, that and is not, not something that we're allowed to And not to need say. somebody else to say it for us to believe it, right? Like, we can, yeah. it could be enough for us to love ourselves and not have other people love us that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, yeah, that's the... That's the kind of foundation I think we're coming from as we approach body politics, you know, in the next few episodes, just recognizing like that all of this is coming from these, not just from, obviously it's coming from our families, from the world around us, but all of that is so much deeply influenced by white supremacy, patriarchy, they are just the heteronormative. They're just the vessels of it, mm-hmm. the message. And, you know, in the 50s, 60s, they maybe, you know, they didn't have the space to ask these questions that we do now. Yeah. But asking them, we're saying, 
no to diet culture. Yeah. We're saying no, you know, to fat phobia. We are saying like, how can we step into spaces to have a deep relationship with our bodies? And we're gonna seek some help <laughs> because and, because it's 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 like I said, it's like we know better, but it doesn't always mean we can do better, right? We're in process because we know all of this, and 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 yet I can still sometimes hate my body. Mm-hmm. Literally, I can do that, you know, and mm-hmm. um and. Yeah, it's it's and it creates a vicious cycle, right? Because if you are not in a good relationship with your body, then you're actually going to make unhealthy choices, right? Like mm-hmm. drinking too much or, <laughs> or you know, not mm-hmm. sleeping enough or, mm-hmm. you know, overexerting yourself, right? Like the, and, and something that we'll have to come back to is also how mental health, mm-hmm. stress plays mm-hmm. into all of it. And in fact, it's probably more central to this than anything else then we, yeah yeah you know i also i know it's going to come up body sovereignty like this sense mm. of like whose bodies is it you know ours our body is ours you know like yeah um who's allowed but, to make choices mm-hmm. about our body yeah trauma rape culture mm-hmm. i think that's a part of like what plays into um mm-hmm. what do you call uh, dysmorphia whatever body dysmorphia mm-hmm. like basically stops us um, and, you know, in response to connecting to our bodies, because it, it just involves diving into deep pain, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think post-children, ch- too, that I know this among other, like, you know, parents, um, particularly people that have birth, like, there's an opportunity where old trauma does come up, mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity to heal that, but it also is really intense, mm. you know? And so I think that's also a part of this conversation. I hope that we get into for too. sure. Yeah, I I know really quickly that when you know because my dad passed away when I was pregnant with Santos, and I had to go into survival mode. You know, and so I couldn't really just break down, and so I kind of held a lot on, or I buried a lot of the emotion. And when Santos, literally when he came out, every emotion mm. that I had been, it was like I had corked it. Mm. and he released the cork and everything just flew Mm. out of me like a flood i just started bawling and um Mm. and it was it was that like oh i can't i can't deny it anymore and so it was through him that i had to really start the grieving process because i hadn't um but so i think that speaks to what you're Mm -hmm. saying like how it gives us an opportunity to make to heal these and that's the other thing is like for all of this we pushed fucking babies out of we grew babies in our body we pushed them out of our body we they survived solely on breast milk on our bodies fed them. i mean our bodies fed them think for about that months no a year yes. you know yeah i mean it was like it's it, sometimes i would think but about the miracles they do thought, this thing i mean i was like oh my god for the first i mean i don't think my kids had solids until like real real solids until close to a year yeah and i'm like I, they i literally kept mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. alive just on what my body was Not able to mention to do. our bodies like created l- l- living <laughs> right like extra <Hearts>. organs <laughs> penises <laughs> Like we, yeah, I mean, and it's like, hmm. we did all of that. We've accomplished so much and mm-hmm. yet we still 
will want to deduce ourselves mm-hmm. to our weight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think we just want to give our listeners a <laughs> <up> on why <laughs> we, this is why it's coming up. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and I know we have this conversation or we have been, but we have this conversation like with our community quite a lot too, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you for listening, you know, <laughs> and thank you Renee for, you know, I think kind of initiating this conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and we're, we, we've already um, done an interview with somebody who's a um, dietitian nutritionist, mm-hmm. but coming Gut from... Health specialist. Yeah, but coming from this, this lens, right, of mm-hmm. recognizing these larger things that are happening. Um, we're, hoping, we're hoping to interview a couple other people that can speak to this topic from their particular expertise. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this will be an ongoing conversation. Love it. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Thank All right. You. Adios.